All right. Good morning, everybody. This is an amazing sight and uh, makes me smile. I've just got to say, it's so good to see all your smiling faces and to hear your singing and praises of our God together. Isn't it great when we worship together? Oh, I, love it. I know we've been together, but we've kind of been separated in some ways. And so this is, a, this is fantastic. And uh, I'm excited. Um, as Pastor Steve said, just to, just to remind you, um, COVID safe rules still apply where, where possible, which means you'll try your best when you're outside to space out a little bit and you can't hug and you can't shake your hands and all that sort of stuff. Some of you are happy about that, some of you aren't. But that's okay. Um, don't forget, we're picking up the kids underneath there at about 10.15. Next Sunday is a special worship service. We're, trying to, we're going to do these probably more often. We did one just about three months ago where there'll be less of, of me and, and the preaching and more of that, of the, the singing and the worship and the scripture and the testimonies and the praying and all that sort of stuff. So make sure you're here next week. It's going to be fantastic. All right. We've been in Romans 12, chapter 2, for three weeks. And that, it's like the intro, right? The setup to each sermon. So let me just take you there straight away just to remind you. Romans 12. Uh, chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And this is what we've been talking about for three weeks now. Because when we change the way we think, that allows God to transform us. And then the promise is, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And we want that, don't we? I know I do. There's an expectation of transformation for every believer. And Paul says you need to start changing the way you think. You know, it doesn't just happen by chance. It's not just about squeezing our eyes tight and just thinking something's going to change in us. It's, it's hard work, it's discipline, it's a daily thing we have to do because that allows God to bring a change in you. In week one, we looked at how we uh, firstly, we looked at what that looks like, but in particular, how we renovate our minds. This series is called Renovate Away from Guilt, False Guilt that we sometimes carry around with us, especially when we know we've talk, taken it to God already. He's forgiven us, and yet we're still thinking unhealthy thoughts, and we're carrying that, that burden. And then in week two, we looked at anxiety. That was last week. And this week, I want to talk about discouragement. I had, Natasha had a few friends around last night, and one of the one of her friends said, what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, discouragement. She said, that's three depressing sermons in a row, Pastor. So. <laughs> well, the idea is that we come out of the depression and into something good, right? If you still think with the same behaviors and customs of the world, you know, we hold on to the unhealthy thinking and we, and we just get stuck, don't we? You know, the unhealthy patterns. And we, we're 10 years down the road with God and we, sometimes we think, why are we still doing this? Why are we still thinking this way? But one thing I've noticed is it's very easy to get stuck in discouragement. You know, I wondered today if you're feeling disappointed about something. You know, what are you disappointed about? Is it a dream that never eventuated? Is it a relationship? It started out with hope, but it's faded away. You know, is it choices that perhaps loved ones in your family have made and you kind of feel discouraged or disappointed about that? You know, a few years ago, there's a story doing the rounds on YouTube of a young man called Michael. He decided he was going to propose to his girlfriend in a McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> Let's watch together what happened. I hope you can see it. Oh, 
Will you marry me? Michael and Anne have been dating for two years, and after their first date, they ended up at a McDonald's. So Michael decided to return to that exact same McDonald's drive through to propose to his girlfriend. Not only was Anne shocked, we also don't think Michael really expected her to react this way. <laughs> you're not, you're not, you're not serious. You, you, you can't do, you can't do <laughs> Say something. No, 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 no. Michael tells Inside Edition that he asked the fast food chain for permission ahead of time. He even practiced with them the night before. I can't marry you. What do you mean you can't marry me? You just asked me on a bun? <laughs> I mean, I had them all... Everyone was involved. Like, I even called your dad. They knew. Everyone knew about this. Michael knew she would never expect him to ask the big question in the car at a McDonald's drive-thru, and he thought it would be a wonderful surprise. Hey, what's wrong? <laughs> what, what? Why? Say something. <laughs> Believe it or not, he says they're still together, but not getting married just yet. Marry you on a chicken sandwich? While some people think this could be a viral hoax, Michael tells us that it was all real. Joke. Don't forget to tune in to Inside Edition. You know, there's a lot of disappointment going around <laughs> on both sides of that car. I'm just gonna say, and um, you know, guys, that I hope you learned lesson from that one. <laughs> It's not the way you propose, okay? Well, here's a fact about life. You will experience disappointments, yeah? Yeah, and disappointments can be discouraging, and discouragement can lead us to despair. Hopefully, not so much for Michael. I hope they found a way. That was about three years ago. But despair, despair is not where God wants us to be. And that's the message I want you to hear today. And I hope to help you with some teaching from Scripture that can help you find a way out of discouragement and instead into some hope. And a good, by the way, I was thinking about hope, well, because that word gets used a lot. And I came across this definition, and it's this. Hope is a favorable and confident expectation. You know, it's something that lives in us, isn't it? It's expecting something favorable. And, and it, it, it kind of drives us. We're, we're wired to look for hope. And in life, hope is the driver of why we do what we do. Well, it, it should be. You know, we, we need hope, don't we? We need something to hope for. Because without hope, we kind of have nothing to live for, you know, and we end up in despair. And Proverbs says uh, in chapter 13, verse 12, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of Life, you know, probably Solomon wrote that. Who knows what he's talking about, though? You know, when there's the, a dream that something that you, that's inside of you, perhaps God's even put it in there, and when it's fulfilled, it's just life-giving, isn't it? And on the other hand, when it doesn't happen, the heart, it just, it just feels sick. And something we hope for doesn't eventuate, it can be crushing. I guess it depends on how high our hopes were for that dream or for that thing. You know, I, I think about the, the things in my life that perhaps have gone well for me and, 
and, and just the way you feel in that moment when a, a dream is fulfilled, it's, it's like soaring with the eagles sometimes. Maybe it's just me because you're all just sitting there quietly, but that's, you know what I mean? Martin Luther King says, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. The question is not if you will be disappointed, but when. And the question is not if you're going to have hope, but what will you, your ultimate hope be? Where will you put your ultimate hope? And I think that's the most important question you've got to ask yourself. You know, what will be the thing that drives your life, that kind of drives you into life in a sense? It's the thing that makes you move, that gets you out of bed in the morning. Because let's be honest, you know, relationships and jobs and money and governments and, you know, our favorite sporting teams sometimes, and even churches will disappoint us, won't they? You know, if you, if you barrack for New South Wales, I'm, I'm sorry for you today. <laughs> there was a message for Claire, and she wasn't even looking at me. <laughs> yeah, but don't lose hope, Claire. I'm sorry. Even in the Bible... We read stories of person after person. They, they face major disappointments in their life. You know, I'm glad God put the good, the bad, and the ugly in the Bible in a sense because we, had to, we have to see it. You know, it's a warts and all, isn't it? All of the people that God chose, they, they not only did bad things and failed and made mistakes, but they had a lot of disappointments in their life. You think about, um, you know, we always come back to Moses. I guess he's a good story. Um, but, you know, he... He followed God and did what God said and it was really hard and God showed up and there was miracles and he delivered them out of slavery and the people still complained. I mean, how disappointing would that have been for him? You know, he wanted to chuck it in sometimes, didn't he? Just, I can't take it anymore. Joseph was disappointed. He had a dream. He was told what things were going to be like and instead he ended up in slavery and then in prison. You know, Hannah was disappointed. She really wanted a child, and year after year she would pray and no child would come. Jesus, he must have been disappointed. I mean, he knew it would happen because he said it would happen, but Peter's denied him. You know, one of his best friends, and when he's on the cross, he probably looked around and said, where, are, where is everybody? Where are my closest friends? You know, to a certain extent, we have to accept that disappointments are a normal part of life. You know, I say that because we're so scared of being disappointed that sometimes we fail to step out in faith. We won't take a risk for God. And I think when, when we don't do that, we, we miss out on something. And the lesson from all those people in the Bible is to use, use our disappointments. You know, flip them on their heads, it on their head, whatever the word is. Use it to push in closer to God. Because when we push in closer to God, we not only can overcome that disappointment, we often actually learn a better way, don't we? We find something better. You know, most of my growth in life has probably come from uh, not only my failures and mistakes, but from disappointments in my life. And I don't like them, and, yet, and they feel hard and, and heavy. And yet these are the times that if you push in close to God, that you can find yourself growing and maturing in ways you never have before. David is a classic, isn't he, for doing this? You know, helpfully, he wrote down a lot of his disappointments in the Psalms. Again and again, he, he would lament and express his discouragement, um, but he would find a way forward. And I like how David does this. You know, he talks himself through discouragement, and, and write, he writes it down and he says it out loud. It's a good example for us. 
You know, if you're disappointed, if you're feeling discouraged, start writing it down. Talk to God about what's going on in your life. And here's an example that we can show you from Psalm 43. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. And I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. You know, it's a great example for us. Sometimes we've got to talk to ourselves, I think. Does anyone here talk to themselves? You walk around Woolworths, sort of saying, I need butter, I need bread, I need... <laughs> You're not on your own by the sounds of it. Sometimes we've got to talk to ourselves. Because we have to renew our minds, don't we? We have to change the way we think. We've got to divert the discouraged thinking into our ultimate hope, which is in God. That's what, that's what David did. That's the example he showed us there. Why am I discouraged? Answer, I'm just going to put my hope in the Lord. Just let that sink in. You know, he's renewing his mind. David, David's a great example, renovating. It's a powerful thing to move from despair into hope. You don't get to choose your disappointments, but you do get to choose where you will put your hope. And I'm telling you this morning that Jesus is worthy of your ultimate hope. You know, hope in Jesus is what makes life worth living, quite frankly. Hope in Jesus pulls us out of that pit of despair. Hope in Jesus can fill us with joy. I sensed your joy this morning when you sang to him. Hope in Jesus allows us to face death knowing that we have an eternity with him because he is the one who conquered death. You know, we, we've had three funerals in three weeks in this church. And, um, and we love being able to do that for our community and, and, I guess, minister in a way to people. But it's hard, isn't it, when, when, when you see people at that time in their life and there just doesn't seem to be any hope for the families. There's lots of good memories, which we celebrate. But I love... I mean, let me word this correctly. I don't love going to funerals, but when we're at a funeral and there's someone who has their hope in Jesus, there's hope for us too, isn't there? There's something different about it. We put our hope in Jesus. Not Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, not ScoMo, not Anthony Albanese, not the Pope, not Billy Graham, not any other person. Jesus is the one who conquered death, so he is the one that's worthy of our ultimate hope. Well, let's go to the Scriptures and find out some practical ways that we can renovate out of discouragement. So... We're going to be in Hebrews today, such a great book of the Bible. Uh, we're a little uncertain of who the author of Hebrews may be. Some think it's Paul, but the words are inspired by God, and they will help you today. We're in chapter 10, verse 23. This is what he said. Maybe she said, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. All right, so here's some things I've got today to help us just to renovate, to change our thinking when discouragement or despair is our problem. Number one is this. We affirm our hope in Jesus. That was verse 23. Let us hold tightly. You've got to actually do the holding. Tightly, without wavering, stay on track to the hope we affirm. And that's the word I want us to, 
to think about. In the NOV, it actually says profess. Perhaps that's a little bit better in some ways for what the point I'm trying to make. Profess our hope. You know, there is power in proclaiming your hope in Jesus, you know, both privately and publicly. We need to say it out loud for it to become the truth that we need, that we believe. And I want to encourage you to daily say it out loud to yourself. It's a good way to change the way we think. You know, my faith, my hope is in Jesus. And this is why in the history of the church, we've had creeds. We don't tend to say them as much these days, but perhaps we should. Although I think they were more popular, popular in, in times past because Bibles were, were scarce and not always in the language that you needed, right? So creeds helped us to, to really establish a, a firm foundation in us. So today we're going to do that. We're going to read the Apostles' Creed together. Might not have done this in a long time. It's going to be on the screen behind me. So you can join in out loud with me as we read. We're going to be professing, affirming our faith together. Are you ready? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the church universal, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. And if you believe those words, say amen. amen. We need to profess our hope in Jesus regularly, church. Affirm it. And in my opinion, by the way, that was good. In my opinion, the best way you can do this is baptism. It's one of the best ways that you can profess and affirm your faith. And if you haven't been baptized, I want to encourage you to please consider it. Why? Because Jesus said you should. He got baptized himself. You know, we got a tank right here that I'd like to use more often, quite frankly. We immerse completely for a reason. It's because it, it kind of, it, we associate with what Jesus did. We put the old person to death. We put him underwater and a new person comes up, a new life. You know, I know it's symbolism, it's water and all that sort of stuff, but it's powerful, it's a sacrament. You know, and what we do is we say out loud to the world, I, my faith and my hope is in Jesus. It helps us out of discouragement and keeps us um, alive with him. So renovate discouragement through affirming out loud your hope in Jesus. And by the way, if you want to be baptized, please write it. Um, we don't have connections cards anymore. Uh, let me know. You know, put it on the card at the back, pop it in the box or see me after the service, email me, call me, text me, message me, whatever way you want to do that. All right. Number two is this. Hold on to his promises. We're still in verse 23. God can be trusted to keep his promise. Amen. You know, God can't lie. What he said he will do, he will do. I mean, that seems so simple. And I know you know that. But sometimes we have to remind ourselves that we can actually trust God to do what he said he will do. And how quickly, you know, we let disappointment overwhelm the promises of God sometimes. Our feelings, they're important, by the way. Our feelings are important, but they can lead us astray, can't they? You know, they can betray us a little bit. There's a song that we sing, sometimes it comes to mind, it says, doesn't matter how I feel, my hope will always be your promises to me. 
Holding on to God's promises comes from growing deeper in our walk with him. You know, the Bible often talks about our spiritual lives being like a tree with roots, and you've got to sink the roots deep down into where the life sustenance is, you know, where the good stuff is. And, and if we don't do that, it'll always be a shallow-rooted life, a shallow-rooted tree, and disappointments will be strong, and, and you, you'll, you know, the tree will suffer. We've got to set our roots deep and let God's promises you know, always be in the front and center of our thinking as we renovate ourselves out of despair. <clears throat> you know, there's this, um, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a farmer on YouTube I watch in South Dakota, <clears throat> South Dakota. I might need this. Everybody just talk amongst yourselves. <clears throat> anyway, if you know anything about farming, and I know we all have struggles in life, it just seems like disappointment after disappointment, right? You know, if it's not drought, it's flood. <laughs> or the prices are, are out of are too low for, the, for your crops. Or um, you name it, things are breaking, things are expensive. You've got to buy a tractor and they're like $600,000 or something silly like that. There's a lot of disappointments. And I was watching this guy and someone said in the comments, well, why do you keep doing this? Or how do you keep doing this, I think was the question actually. How do you keep doing this? He said, we farm with hope. And I thought, well, that was actually really powerful. It keeps them going. They're always believing in, in something better to come. And it reminds me of, my, of the Christian life. We live our lives with hope. We hold on to his promises. Number three is we gather together. Pastors love this verse. We gather together. Verse 25, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. You know, we heard this point actually last week about anxiety as well, didn't we? So I, I repeat myself. But the Bible does too. Being part of a good church, I think it's essential to living a full life. I really do. I hope you think this is a good church. I do. Last week, you know, I talked about how we need to be worshipping together. Anxiety tends to slip away when we worship by ourselves, but also when we worship together. This week, it's because we need each other. That's what verse 24 says. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You know, we, we're all doing that to each other. There's a good reason Paul says don't neglect meeting together. You know, I know it's hard sometimes. I know, but weekly church attendance is one of the best life disciplines you can have, church. It's an essential step in living with hope instead of despair. I actually believe that to be true. You know, it's same for why we meet in small groups. It's why we pray together as well. You know, discouragement has a tendency to lead us to isolation, but gathering is a way to overcome. And I want to stress, stress this to your church. As urgently as I can, gather regularly. Not out of legalism, please. Not to please me, not to please anybody else. Not out of guilt. I'm not trying to guilt you today. I'm saying it's good for you. It's good for you. Paul says don't neglect it. He must have known what he was talking about, right? Because we, well, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. God must have known what he's talking about. Don't neglect gathering together. And can I just say, you know, young people, wherever you are, all spread out, it's easy as you enter into young adult years to find other things to do. And sometimes I understand that temptation. But I just want to encourage you, stick with being part of a church family and a church body. The rewards for that are immense. 
And parents, I want to encourage you to encourage your kids as much as possible. I know you don't want to be dragging them along if they don't want to come and all that sort of stuff. I get that. I really do. But kids do watch what we do. And so we should set that example. Renovate discouragement by gathering together consistently. Number four, I really like this one. It's encourage someone. And, and again, last week we talked about um, being gracious and, and, and showing kind, uh, gentle and kindness, right? So it's in this same theme. It, it's a sermon series, okay? So things sound the same week after week. This week it's encourage someone. That's what he's, uh, Paul said, so the writer said in verse 25. So let's be a church full of encouragers because encouragement is a very powerful thing and it's the opposite of discouragement, isn't it? You know, if you're feeling discouraged, then what you need is actually some encouragement. And could I just say, when you give encouragement, I find that it tends to return as well. And it, it makes us stop thinking about ourselves a little bit and just give. And we know there's blessings in giving. It draws you into what's good about people and about life and feeds our own soul with hope. That's been my experience. It's not just the receiver, as I said. The, the, the giver gets their benefits as well. This is so important for followers of Christ. You know, all, all Christians should be natural encouragers. It just should flow naturally from us. And when it's not... That's, you know, we should be pulling ourselves up and go, am I an encourager? No, I'm probably not. Paul says, renovate your thinking. Renew your mind. Find a way to be an encourager. It's good for you and it's good for those around you, that's for sure. You know, we have the power to take life away and we have the power to take hope from people, but we have the power to give life and to give hope. And I know which one that I want more in my life and so I want to, be inspired to do that better for others as well. Renovate discouragement through encouraging each other. So as we come clo to close, um, you know, as I said, this is the last me message in this Renovate series. And, and I hope you've seen a, a, a clear message throughout. You know, may not remember every point I made about, about guilt and anxiety and discouragement, and, um, you know, I probably won't remember them all myself, but there's a common thread throughout. Real transformation requires us to actually take responsibility. You know, it is, it is up to us to start that process of changing the way we think. Renewing your mind is one of the most important things you can do. And if you don't do that, if you don't put attention to that, don't expect transformation. You know, that unhealthy thinking will remain the unhealthy thinking that robs us of life to the full that Jesus says that we can have. So these three sermons, there's actually been 11 very practical things from Scripture that can assist you when it comes to renewing your mind. This is what I love about Scripture. If you look at it, there's just practical application. And sometimes it thinks, we think it's simple, and I've heard it a thousand times, and so I'm just going to read over it, but actually we don't, you know, we don't stop long enough to actually think, am I doing this? The first one, as I said, was take responsibility for changing what you think. Change what goes into your mind. Remember that one? Remember the, the old thing about garbage in, garbage out? Start doing life in so that life comes out. Renovate with worship. Renovate with gentleness. Renovate with prayer. Renovate with prayer. Renovate with gratitude. You know, be thankful for the things that are in your life, what God has done for you and has promised you. Renovate by... Remembering 
we talked about how it's important for us to remember. This is why we do communion. We have to stop and remember. It helps us to change our thinking. Renovate, renovate by affirming your hope in Jesus. This is this morning's point. Profess regularly who you put your hope in. Renovate by holding on to his promises. Renovate by regularly gathering together. And lastly, by encouraging each other. And I reckon you could probably find another 50 to add to that list. The scripture's full of them. You know, we can walk out of here today. You can come out and go out there today and just be the same that you walked in. Or this week, you can set your mind to cleaning up the things in your mind and let God transform you. And you could actually be that different person. You know, that holiness that he's calling us to, that holy living. We can do that, but it takes a, it's a choice that we have to make and we have to clear out the junk and the wrong thinking in our mind. God transforms you to be more like him. And I know that's what I want in my life and I hope that's what you want in yours too. Who's with me? Well, we're going to pray. Team, you can come. Everybody else, let's stand. Because I'm worried you're going to fall asleep. <clears throat> All right. I'm just going to invite you to pray with me. I want you just to, um, in a sense, um, submit yourselves, not even in a sense, submit yourself to the Lord this morning. Allow him to make that change in you. Give God permission to say, God, I don't want to think those thoughts about those people anymore, you know, those feelings of dislike or hate um, that he doesn't want us to have. Perhaps it's self-doubt. Perhaps you don't like yourself. That's not what God wants you to think. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here this morning. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. And we invite you just to, uh, to review, to search our minds. Our thinking, Lord, that is not of you. And replace it, Lord, with something that is. Replace it with love and light and hope and peace. And replace it, Lord, with um, worship. And um, replace it, Lord, with your promises. And Lord, remove the junk, remove the garbage, Lord, from our minds, we pray. Lord, I pray that every conversation this week... Uh, every thought would just glorify you. Not out of some kind of um, legalism, Lord, but just simply because you, I believe you want the best for us. I believe you want us to have a life to the full. And Lord, for all those disappointments in our life, we, we're like David this morning. We, we just kind of bring them to you leave them with you and instead Lord we turn to you and say our hope is in you our ultimate hope is in you Lord God lift us up out of discouragement and despair may we leave here God with a, a new sense of purpose and hope we thank you that you are a good father we thank you that you loved us and that you have promised to come again 
and for us to be with you for eternity. We thank you, Lord, for that hope. (laughs) And that hope is enough, Lord. Amen.